Good morning. Welcome as we come to worship, whether we're here in person um, or online this morning. Welcome uh, as we come. Uh, let's stand together. Our sins of Scripture today comes from Psalm 14. And it says, The fool says in his heart there is no God. Um, the fool says in his heart there is no God. Yet we know uh, as uh, people of the risen King um, that there is a God. And he is well and he is alive today. And so we continue uh, with our Easter cry. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. I want to invite uh, young Esther Pedlow forward as she uh, reads uh, the scripture reading for us today. Come on ahead, Esther. At the time Mary had got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leapt into her womb, and Elizabeth filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she explained, Blessed among are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why I am so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my, my womb leaped with joy. Blessed who she has filled the Lord who, fill, who fulfill his promise to her. Um, this morning I have a few objects uh, with me. Um, I want you to try to tell me what they are. Does anybody know what this is? Hold on, is this on? It's a boron. Yep, his. Anybody know how to play one of these? <laughs> With your fingers, okay. Um, that nearly went sideways. Anybody know what this is, Alice? It's a tambourine, and you kind of go like this, don't you? There's a number of these. We could hand these out and get everybody to play one. Does anybody know what this is? I'll walk down the aisle so you can see it. <laughs> An Easter egg. <laughs> a maraca. That looks like an Easter egg, exactly. Well, what do all these things, what are all those, what do all those things have in common? They all are, Rory, from the very back. Shout loudly. Instruments, that's right. They all make some kind of noise, uh, which helps us uh, make music. There's other instruments. And we can see them being played in church all the time. And so we know that musical instruments help us to do what? What do music instruments help us do, Alice? Make noise, that's right. We love to make noise, don't we? Well, obviously not me being the quiet and shy one. Um, musical instruments help us do what? Sing. And singing helps us praise God. That's right. So you see, in our reading today, um, it talked about how... Uh, the baby leaped in the womb of Elizabeth. 
Um, and how, whenever that happened, she praised God. She didn't play a musical instrument to praise God, but she praised God. Because we praise God in lots of different ways. Um, and whenever we recognize and know who God is, then our praise for him will come out in a completely different way. So whenever we see musical instruments, whenever we play musical instruments, I wish I could play a musical instrument. I'm tone deaf um, and no good at it. That's why they turn my microphone off whenever we're singing, because um, you wouldn't want to hear that. Um, now they're going to leave it on the next time we see. Um, so, but, but we do those things to help us praise and worship God in this context. But we know that we can praise and worship God in lots of other ways uh, as well. And whenever we come to praise God, that sense of leaping within ourselves, that sense of knowing that something different is happening is what praise and worship of God uh, is all about. Those are the moments that God knows us and that God is with us. Um, and whenever he is with us and knows us, then things change for us. Um, so as we look at this, uh, this new series of women uh, of faith um, <clears throat> through the scriptures, Today you probably already guessed that we're going to look uh, at the lady called Elizabeth. Um, the characters that we read about in the pages of the Bible are often held up uh, as being perfect. Um, but they were just ordinary people like you and me. Yet God used their struggles with faith and with life to draw them closer to himself. And he can do the same for us. Last week we, we thought about the fact that Martha created the space uh, for Jesus to be present but it was Mary's devotion that allowed Jesus' presence to fill the place, uh, to draw it out, if you like. And today we're going to think about this lady um, called Elizabeth. So let's just take a moment to pray before we look at her. Father God, we thank you for this opportunity to open your word. As we've just sung, whenever <clears throat> we break open your word, we know that you are real and that you're with us. So in this moment, <clears throat> speak to us afresh and you we pray. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> um, <clears throat> there isn't much mentioned uh, actually in the Bible about Elizabeth we know she's married um, to Zechariah uh, who was a priest um, he came from a different lineage of priests uh, from what she did actually Elizabeth descended from the lineage of Aaron um, the one who was given the priestly rule uh, along with Moses uh, over all of the tribes and so there's this deep sense of worship uh, and of leading people in worship uh, within their lives, not only as individuals, but as a couple, that they would have been steeped in that because of the lineage and the tribes um, that they came from. Um, and in, if you read earlier in Luke chapter 1, Zechariah, her husband, uh, one of the priests of the temple, had the once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. It only really came about once in their lifetime where their tribe was chosen and out of the tribe the clan was chosen out of the clan individuals were chosen to keep the incense burning in the temple for a period of time and this was Zechariah's job he was chosen <clears throat> to do that for a period of time and whenever he was doing it keeping the lamp and the incense burning um, he was visited by an angel um, a visited by the angel told that in their latter years in their elderly years they were going to have a child not having had any children previous to that. And Zechariah was astonished, actually, if you read it. It sounds as if he was kind of like, bah, no way, catch yourself on. There's no chance of that happening. Um, and because he didn't believe the angel, the consequence was that he was to be silenced until the child was born. 
You wouldn't be allowed to speak at all. Now, there could be a few ladies looking at their husbands at this point thinking, how do we make that work? How do we make it work that you're silent? But so Zechariah then went through the next number of months at home and in his roles in the temple, not being able to speak. So everybody was asking, I assume, it doesn't tell us, but I would assume everybody's asking questions. Why are you not able to talk? <laughs> and Zechariah's not able to answer them because he can't talk. But suddenly that story would travel through the clan and through the tribe and through the nation of Israel. But Zechariah can't speak because an angel had visited him. An angel had visited him to tell him that they were going to have a child. And not only that, but that their child would be the forerunner to the Messiah. And you were to call him John. Verse 13 of chapter 1 um, says this, But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you'll give him the name John. When you, and they begin to see and know that this is the forerunner to the Messiah. This is significant, actually, really, really significant. The forerunner will bring many to God. That's what it says, actually. It says, if you read that chapter 1, that the forerunner will bring many people to know the Lord. You know, it was even more significant in the fact that the forerunner was coming. Because if the forerunner to the Messiah was coming, it meant that the Messiah was coming. And so the heralding of the forerunner, the one who would declare the Messiah, make way and make a path straight for the Messiah, was here. And if that was the case, then in their lifetime, the Messiah must be coming as well. Because those two things have been prophesied through the Old Testament prophets like Jeremiah and some of the latter minor prophets that this was what was going to happen. Now, I can only imagine the conversation in Zechariah between Zechariah and Elizabeth, whenever he tried to tell her what had happened. He tried to write it down and explain to her that an angel had appeared, and I didn't believe the angel. You almost imagine, Elizabeth, I imagine that. As I, as I prepared for this, I imagined that conversation happening in our house. I imagined that I would return to Shirley one day, not able to speak. <laughs> and a big smile on her face. And I'd have to write everything down for her, and then explain that whilst I was in Daravolgi Church, an angel visited me, and an angel told me this, but I didn't believe them. And so I wasn't able to speak. I can only imagine Shirley saying something to me, for goodness sake. Surely after an angel appeared, you would have believed it like an angel has appeared in the middle of nowhere, and you don't believe what they have to say? Surely that's a big enough indicator and key that what's being said is true and is right. So Zechariah is now mute until the baby is born. But let's look at how both of these people, Zechariah and Elizabeth, were described. Chapter 1, verse 6 says this. Both of them, Zechariah and Elizabeth, were upright in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commandments and regulations blamelessly. They were upright in the sight of the Lord, observing the commandments. What a description. What a description. They were upright and blameless, walking with the Lord. But I imagine, 
Now, as Elizabeth now knew this news, as she now knew that the child was growing in her womb, having waited decades for this to happen, must have walked about the house with a huge smile and a massive amount of joy within her. And Zechariah, too. This was so unexpected, but so, so significant. Verse 14 says, He will be a joy and delight to you. This is what the angel was telling Zechariah. He will be a joy and delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from birth. Many of the people of Israel will, bring, will be brought back to the Lord, their God, because of him. And so here's this couple, silently, quietly, going about their business, being disrupted by God with a significant moment, filled with joy and the knowledge that their child is now going to bring them even greater joy at what he will do as he grows up. And then Elizabeth's relative turns up at the door. And another wild card happens. Because Mary, her cousin, turns up and knocks the door unexpectedly. And in Elizabeth's womb, the baby leaps for joy. Even before Mary has told her cousin, and you'll read that, in that passage, even before Mary has told Elizabeth that she is with child as well. Elizabeth's child is leaping with joy. And Elizabeth is overjoyed to see Mary, it tells us. Actually, in verse 42 of what we read today, it says, in a loud voice, she exclaimed, blessed are you among women and blessed is the child that you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? Is this the first human declaration that Jesus is coming? Elizabeth is declaring to Mary that she knows because of the actions of her baby within her womb that the Messiah is within her. There's a significance in this. There's a significance that whenever the Lord is present in a situation that changes the atmosphere and it changes absolutely everything, even the things that we think we have no control over are the things that we cannot see. The significance of this is immense. For Elizabeth, but also for Mary, the significance of this for us today is immense because it shows us that life in the womb Life does not just begin after birth. It's in the womb as well. The baby was able to recognize and to know things before its actual birth. I reckon Elizabeth was about six months pregnant at this stage. At that stage, John in her womb could grasp his own hand. He could do somersaults. And he could hear voices outside of the womb. God always fulfills his promises. And here in Elizabeth, he is doing 
just that. And actually, we see that in Malachi. Let me just bring that one up. Malachi chapter 4 and verse 2 um, says this, But for you who revere my name, the Son of Righteousness will rise with healing in his wings, and you will go out leaping like calves released from the stall. There's a prophecy there at the end of the Old Testament that the first point of contact of the new Messiah will be a leaping like the calves that have been released from darkness over the winter. I remember as a child visiting my uncle in his small holding or his farm. It come to springtime and it was time to let the beef um, cattle and he didn't have that many, but a few of the calves out into the fields. And he wanted me to help him with it. He wanted me to keep the coos. Come here here and help me keep the coos, he said. Uh, translated that is, would you help me move the cows from the, from the byre to the field? Um, and it, but he did say, stand, stand back and watch. So I had to stand back and be careful. It was the first time I'd ever done anything like this. And the moment that the first calf came out of the really dark, small, dingy byre and hit the light of the spring day, they went absolutely bucked off. They were flailing and kicking and running and blinded by the light. Almost kicked me and knocked me over. Knocked a big pile of concrete blocks and bricks flat out. And here is Malachi saying that whenever the Messiah comes, there will be a leaping like the calf that has been released from the stall. Whenever the Messiah is present, it changes the atmosphere because we cannot help but praise and worship him. We don't necessarily need the instruments to praise and to worship God. It's by our own words and actions that we know that we can do those things. And it's not until the baby is born that Zechariah's mouth is opened. The baby is born and all the elders and all the rest of the tribe gather around him and uh, actually gather around Elizabeth and they ask Elizabeth, what are you going to call the child? And she said, John. And they said, you can't call him John. If you read on, they say in chapter one, you can't call him John. There's no John in your family. So you can't call him John. And they looked to Zechariah for an acknowledgement of whether that was true or not. And he wrote, his name is John. And whenever he wrote that, his mouth was released and he began to speak again. But it's Elizabeth who had named him publicly first. It's Elizabeth who had declared that the Messiah had arrived. Blessed are you, the one who carries my Lord. And everybody else around her could see through her actions that the Lord was at work. Her quiet, faithful obedience spoke volumes to the world round about her. Her quiet, faithful obedience spoke volumes to the world around her. That's what it says. Verse 66, everyone who heard this wondered about it, asking, what then is this? child going to be, for the Lord's hand is surely with him. I suppose the question I want to leave with each one of us, myself included today, is what does your life speak to the world around you? Your words, your actions, your moments of praise and of worship, your moments of faithful, quiet obedience, 
What does that say to the world around you, around me, around us? Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you that you are present. And whenever you're present, the atmosphere changes and we leap for joy. Give us a new sense, a renewed sense of your joy today. Restore it within us, without us, and around us, that we might show the world who you are and all you've done for us. In your precious name we pray. Amen. Let's just close with a blessing. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we ask, seek, or would even dare to imagine. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations. And may the blessing of God Almighty, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit rest upon each one of us this day and forevermore. Amen.